This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Unveiled Bridal Boutique. Yes, right here in Thunder Bay, unveiledboutique.com. Go now, check out their page, get to know their team. It's all there. Under experience, you see who's behind Unveiled Bridal Boutique. But let's talk first how right now you can, yes, you can, book your appointment. Yes, appointment only. And you can do that online. Very easy. Select your appointment type. You got bridal appointment, bridesmaid, mother of bride, ordering measurement appointment, and pickup. They look out after you. It's a very, very special day. They have. I've seen it. I've been in the room where all the dresses are. It's from another world. I cannot even comprehend it. It's so good. There's over 150 gorgeous bridal gowns. And there are more arriving every day. Unveil Bridal Boutique. And they have it all. You can build your complete package. Everything is there for you. They are going to make your day very, very special with every single effort they have. Unveiled Bridal Boutique. Book your appointment now. Unveiledboutique.com This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Brent Heckberg, your RBC Royal Bank of Canada mortgage specialist. Call him now. 251-7251 Call him. Get pre-approved. I just checked again. 22 new listings since the 8th. Yes, accordingly to Realtor.ca. 22 listings popped up in Thunder Bay. If you've been looking in a certain location, if you've been looking for a certain bigger house, if you wanted to downsize, if you just want to be ready, you call Brent Hackberg right now. 251-7251. Brent Hackberg makes it easy for you. You can rely on him. You call him. You tell him what you want. He crunches the numbers. He gets back to you. And... He makes your home ownership goals happen. Yes. And he ensures that the financing suits both your current and your future needs. Yes. He is an expert in his fields. And he specializes in first-time home buyers, moving your mortgage over to the RBC or investment property mortgages. Brent Hackberg, your RBC Royal Bank of Canada mortgage specialist. Call him now. 251-7251. Be ready. Be with Brent Hackberg. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Heartbeat Hot Sauce. In round number one, we got... Yeah, the perfect sauce. Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Delicious, fermented... Small batch, naturally, handmade, right here. Born and raised, biting back since 2015. Heartbeat hot sauce. Yes. Follow them on social media. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram. Yes. They're giving a lot of shots behind the scene. They're telling you when something special is going on. If there's a little sale, you can check out their merch. You, you didn't buy those stickers yet? Well, you gotta get on that right now and press that shop button. What about some merchandise? Yeah. 
Show your support. Heartbeat Hot Sauce in Thunder Bay. Yes. Mm. Again, I'm still contemplating what I'm going to put in my six pack. You can order six packs now and assemble them the way you like it. Am I going to pick just blueberry habanero for all the eggs I eat in the morning? Or should I switch it up a little bit as well? You know, maybe pineapple habanero for my pizza. Oh, yes, I went there. Pineapple and pizza. Well, it's your call. But I do like my pineapple habanero from Heartbeat Hot Sauce. <sighs> Shop now at your favorite retailer. Or find them on heartbeathotsauce.com. This is the Michael Lated Show, episode 83. Very special guest today. The one and only, please give it up, Mike Neitz. What's going on? Yo, Mike, how you doing? Awesome. I love the uh, unveiled shout out. Shelby uh, Chang, an amazing entrepreneur and community activist here in our community. Mm. They actually sell a wedding dress that I fit in now on Fit In. Um, if you can find that video, thumbs up. I have heard that you did that for a good cause. Yes. Yeah, for United Way. Uh, if we raised a certain amount of money, I was going to put on a, on a on a wedding dress. Mm. So I went over to visit Shelby. She found the right size. And um, yeah. Mm. What size were you? Rest is history. Mm. No idea. No idea. With weight fluctuations, I think it was a, a 9 or a 10 at that oh, point. Okay. Yeah. They don't go like extra large, large, medium. That's That's not how it goes, right? And they don't make it tall either. Uh, being six five, usually you have to get tall stuff. So it's kind of like a mini skirt. Yes. Is your upper body taller or are your legs taller? I, I keep getting told I'm proportionate, so mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. So mm. um, I love it. Yeah, everything's big. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, Mike, we want to talk about leadership today. You hit me up. Yeah. I love what you're doing, and you are very versatile in everything you do, and I, I really appreciate that. So now you are with me tonight here on the Michael Lated Show. I see your background in your office. I love that. There's the World Cup you won in 2014, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Talk about leadership on that one. Yeah, and he's on his way out, Jurgi Love. Yeah. Uh, German soccer coach. Mm. He'll be wrapping up, and we'll see if our uh, Dortmund former head coach is considered for the job, Jurgen Klopp. Ah, oh, okay. That's in the talks, I assume? Well, we have, we have a wager on that. Mm. I remember last time I was on the show, yeah. uh, we, have, we have a little wager. I think he'll be uh, the next head coach, but mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes with Liverpool yeah. winning the champ Champions League and the treble. Um, but, but now they're not doing too hot. Mm. How do you think that is as a as a coach? You know, you you build a career, you you shift teams, you win championships, you win a triple, you win a quadruple, and you cannot win this cup when you train a, a uh, not an international team. What is it called? Like a club. You need. Club team. Yeah, you want. You, you have to train a national team. Do you think it's we? Hard. It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. It, it, it's hard, right? Do you choose country or club? Mm. Uh, I think everyone wants to win a World Cup for their country. Same in hockey. Um, it's great to win a Stanley Cup, but to win a gold medal or a World Cup for your country, it means a lot. And in hockey, the coach can be a pro team and then go and coach the national team. 
Um, but in soccer, full-time job coaching a national team. So all sorts of rumors out there. We'll see what happens with Germany. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, they'll they'll make the right decision as they always do. Mm. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp sh should go to Canada, right, and teach them. <laughs> yeah, they try. Jurgen Klinsmann tried that from Germany. He coached uh, the American team. Mm. Didn't turn out so well. Mm. But, yeah, that's um, okay. Yeah. All right, so what do you find the term boss is a good word? No, I'm not, I'm not a fan. People keep calling me boss. Hey, boss, how's it going, boss? Mm. And I say, no, team member, we all have different roles and responsibilities. And uh, if you ask my team, I'm famous for saying I work, I work for you. Um, you know, I work for you, you work for the customer. Uh, and that's how you win at business. I think you put the customers first and uh, you do everything Yeah, um, to, to to drive that. Good. I feel like the term terminology "boss" seems to be very antique, right? I feel there's yeah. a, there's so much to it where we think now we are somewhere else. Well, and boss and manager. I think manager is even an old term. Okay. Right? And today, you want to be a leader, and a leader and a manager are two totally different things. A manager manages his business, and he does that well, and he manages the day-to-day, -day and he manages the team. Mm. But a leader is someone who steps up, is inspirational. People want to follow. People want to go to war, To um, Leadership is key. And then coach, be an effective coach to help your team along. Mm. So I uh, I love tying sports coaching to corporate coaching okay. and many, many analogies in between. I like that. So... How would you connect that? Who is one of your inspira inspirations? Yeah, so I'll grab him off the shelf. It is, uh, <laughs> it is your Jurgen Klopp. Oh, he's good looking uh, there. Oof. Yeah, his glasses are a little off. Sorry about that. Mm. Uh, current head coach at Liverpool. He coached our, uh, our favorite club team, Borussia Dortmund, for a while. He did. And, and he coached Mainz. And uh, I've been reading his, his book lately. Oh, he wrote um, a book? He Well, he had a book written about him, and it talks about principles of being an effective coach and leader and inspiring leadership that comes from him. So mm. when I talk to my team, um, when I think of, of me as a leader and where I try to get them as a leader is I'll be, I'll be on the sidelines. I'll, I'll cheer you on. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. I'm also going to be your biggest critic when I realize you're not realizing your potential. So I shared this PowerPoint with them a couple months ago as far as, you know, that type of leadership. So mm. the leader who's there hugging their team, high-fiving their team when they're winning, but when they're down, for sure pick them up and then put your arm around them and coach them how to go. And sometimes you got to show your teeth too if, if they're not realizing their potential. But at the end of the year, when you're holding up the trophy, um, you all did it together and you, you mm -hmm. challenge your team. And we've all had good leaders and bad leaders, But I think the good leaders are the ones that you would, yeah, go to war for. And oftentimes you don't quit your job, you quit your leader because they're not in line with the vision that you have for how you want to be successful and they're not supporting you in your career. Yes, I agree with that. The, the aspect of if you have a leader that doesn't put back into you, eventually there comes a time where you say, okay, that's it for me. I'm going somewhere else. If you are wanting to get things. Right? Yeah. If you have that drive. Yeah. And, and yeah, in my career, dozen leaders and maybe three that really stand out as strong leaders. And I've moved organizations. And oftentimes 
I shift organizations because either I don't connect with my leader uh, or I just my my values aren't in line with that organization anymore. And I just mm-hmm. flip, flip the script. But it's proven to me early on. I was very loyal with one company for a dozen years. Uh, and it was it was hard because you become part of that brand. But the moment I shifted to another organization, then now where I'm really happy and have my dream job, um, I think you have to do that. You have to accelerate. And sometimes you have to leave your comfort zones and challenge yourself to do something that you're not comfortable with to truly make sure you have the right skills to be a leader mm. is to go somewhere new, build the same relationships, if not stronger and advance your own skills because you only get one career and make make it a go and make it a good one. Okay. And especially now in the time of the pandemic, it seems like everyone is thinking about what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Or maybe they even like a lot of people lost their jobs and it's just like everything gets reassessed. Passion, right? Like sometimes we're so scared to follow our passion because our parents or our friends told us to go into a certain job because mm. financial security is important. Um, but if you don't love what you're doing, if you don't get up Monday, if you dread Sunday night having to go into work on Monday and you just can't wait till Friday, you're, you might not be in a job that you love. And if you don't love your job, you won't do well at it and you won't feel good about doing it, regardless mm. how much money you make. If you don't love what you're doing, it's a it's a pretty shitty feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So when Jurgen Klopp, right, after every single game, he has to go into this press conference room, right? Thousands of reporters. I'm exaggerating. And then you have like you have two, three people and they want to say, Hey Jürgen, how how you feel the game went? What I admire about him is he does not ever put a player down. No. He always protects them and he would talk about it with them. Well, and he also says if we lose I'm responsible. Mm. If we win, my team is responsible. So a leader, and I've learned this too, um, like when you win, shine the light on your employees. Try not to do I, me. It's all about them. But when you lose, you're the reason you lost. And don't ever yeah, call your players in public. Mm. Help them and coach them in, in private. But yeah, you're responsible for the losses. Your team's responsible for the wins. And that's the kind of engagement I think that a lot of people look look for in, in leaders. But it takes a long time to learn that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's greatness, I think. Yeah, and he's straightforward. He's up front. I remember um, those fans listening in when he, he went to Chelsea. He was very brutally honest. He's, 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 I'm here for a team. I'm here for the legacy. Some people, um, Jose Mourinho dubs himself the special one, and Jurgen Klopp is, no, I'm the normal one. I'm here. I want to have a beer with my team. I want to help them get better. Very humble leadership that a lot of people tend to follow. And the English fan base just loves him. And for the first time, a German coach is, uh, is admired in uh, England just because he's, he's a, he's a, he's a, a father figure, a big brother figure, as opposed to this boss. Yeah, it's his personality too, though, right? Like, how does he do that? Is that him, or do you think it's like his? he's performing? It's him. So authenticity is another thing that people look for in leaders, right? We've all had managers who faked it, smoke and mirrors. They don't practice what they preach. They don't lead by example. Yeah. And that inauthenticity comes across as not giving a shit or being so selfish about their own success in their own career that they forget that they ha- they, those people who are supposed to be following them or along with them, 
they're they're off doing something else because they don't believe in 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 that that kind of leader who who takes all the credit themselves. Mm, okay, so you we both maybe think that he is the way he presents himself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like I I don't know where I read it, but after they won the championship in Dortmund. I read an article somewhere and, you know, they were talking about when they were driving in that bus and they go to the city hall and, you know, somebody leaked that out and, and just the way he was talking, it was like he accomplished something and he just reflected on it a little bit. I think he is very, yes, he is like that, but also there's more to him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and he yeah he believes in his people. Uh, he doesn't really necessarily care what others think. One of the chapters in the book talks about musical tastes, right? Oh. You like different music. I like different music. And music is such a personal experience. And mm. if you say you like someone sp simply because you think the other people like them and it's not truly what's in line with you, that's inauthenticity. So I like Spice Girls and Venga Boys uh, at some times, depending on my mood. Mm. You got buddies poking fun at that, but what do I care? <laughs> like if that's music that pumps you up, that elevates you to a different level, Yeah, lo love the music that you love and don't pay attention to other people. It's, mm. uh, it's a pretty powerful piece. Yeah. So that also connects to do what you want in a way and don't care so much but about other yeah. people. Yeah. I don't have my mug here, but I just got a mug and it says, uh, a lion doesn't concern himself with the opinion of sheep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So do what is key to you. Yeah. Be happy with what you're doing. Um, don't pay attention to negative people, people trying to bring you down mm. and uh, pay attention to those around you who want to elevate you and don't pay attention to the sheep. If you want to be a lion, because uh, who cares what the sheep think? Yeah. Sometimes we, we concern ourselves so much about that, especially in a world of, Social media, and that's what we talked about a bit last time. Like, pay attention to those who will lift you up and want to lift you up, as opposed mm. to those who are jealous or have deep-seated uh, issues that they feel they have to push others down. Do you feel like when once you get to a certain level of um, performance and like you way up there, right? You out there every day, then it's just like it becomes you don't even like you don't even see it anymore. Do you think Jürgen just still sees critique? Yeah, he doesn't read the the comments, right? Lots of musical artists don't read the YouTube comments. Mm. Uh, you just can't pay attention to that. If, if you're happy at the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow and you're happy doing with what you, the decisions you've made, you're accountable to very few people. You're accountable to your spouse. And for me, it's my spouse, my kids, my boss, and my family. And that's all that really matters. Mm. And uh, if others don't, care <laughs> i don't care about them either okay i respect that what i also one more thing on jürgen real quick he also calls people out if there's a reporter and he asks us a stupid question he's gonna call him out i'm like why are you asking me like this right now is that something you uh admire Yeah, that, well, that honesty, it's hard because you want to be likable to a point. But if someone, and especially sometimes media, they, they try to poke holes. And it's not because they, um, they necessarily want to make you look bad. They just, certain things sell headlines and mm. click clickbait. Uh, how am I going to get a click? What kind of reaction can I get out of this person? Yeah, that's how can my I get recognized? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That drives the traffic. Ooh, that's a nice mock. 
Blue Jays, 93. Woo, cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, with the camera and the angles, is everything is over, all over the place. <laughs> so, how's, how's homeschooling going? Homeschooling is good. It's uh, it's a challenge, both from like a logistics bandwidth number of devices standpoint. Um, but for kids, uh, Stephanie busy working all day, me on video calls all day. It's uh, it's fun. It's an adjustment, but we're making do and making the best of it. And mm. uh, really trying to find people talk about work life balance. Mm. I love to talk about work life harmony. So balance is you're working or you're not, but harmony interweaves itself into your work and your home. So mm. yesterday I was upstairs making lunch for all the kids and then I ran downstairs to do a call and then I went upstairs to clean up and then I went to check in on them. Um, you have to ha find good harmony in your day and you have okay. to make time for it. But, um, I'm, I'm loving working from home. Um, it's, it's, it's great. I'd love to be with my people and, uh, in, in the business all across Northern Ontario, but, um, they probably don't want to see me that much either. So if they, yeah. video, video is a great way to connect with folks. And we've advanced so far in the last 12 months now, as we're celebrating COVID that we've accelerated two, three years when it comes to technology and people have been forced to do this kind of thing. Yes, yes. Um, But same thing with the show. When mm. when we did the show last time, I had to, not that it's a hassle to drive to Port Arthur, but 10 minutes to drive there. I get it. I actually, I actually had to wear like nice mm. pants instead of my uh, mm -hmm. jogging pants. Yeah, I know. Uh, parking, walking in. Like here we <laughs> click a button, we're collected, we're, we're connected, we're live. Yeah. And we're engaged in a conversation and people are more at ease in their personal surroundings too. So I find you connect on a deeper oh. level with people because they're not they're in an environment that's comfortable to them, which mm -hmm. is, which is pretty cool too. And sometimes you see your coworkers, kids, if they're also working from home. So yeah. you build deeper relationships as a bit of a family at work mm, too. I like that. Yeah. And pets too. I see cats and dogs <laughs> all the time and I love it. I love it. Absolutely. As long as they're not barking in the background. No, that's fine too. Like not for a business meeting, obviously, but for my podcast, that's okay. Yeah. Is there is now you you right now you are in your office right and you have yeah. this beautiful background piece and this is how how it looks and this is you is there a reason why you do not utilize like an artific artificial background or is there a thought behind it? I uh, picked up this book. Mm. Uh, you're on mute, and uh, it was on Amazon. It's actually about tips and. Um, One of them talks about virtual backgrounds and how people are hiding stuff and how it looks super cheesy. So I see council members use it at council meetings and it, it looks a little cheesy, right? Um, mm. When you think of your brand, uh, your personal brand and what you want people to see you about, yeah. it's important. Normally you dress the part and you show up and you shake hands and, and, and you build a relationship. But if you have an opportunity to show someone a glimpse into your world mm. in, a, in a, I don't know, five foot by five foot screen yeah make make it your own make it personal and uh i love what you've done with your background too but mm. there's a whole twitter page rate my skype room or something where you can actually <laughs> upload your picture and they yes. and they and they judge people on their background and um i can't tell you the amount of times i've built re deeper relationships with people instead of talking about business they're like is that dirk nowitzki is that mm. you know are you a raptor fan like me 
Biggie Smalls, uh, <laughs> Notorious B.I.G. Mm. Tell me about your background. And it gives you a glimpse into the personalities. And it's super interesting. Even with DVDs, people will point out, hey, I see you have the Tarantino collection and Die Hard. And mm. what other what other movies inspire you or do you love? And you learn a lot about people by how they portray themselves. And this is just a, a little glimpse into it. Yeah, I got a couple questions on that, if you don't mind. Yeah. One is like, is Die Hard a Christmas movie for you? Yeah, a thousand percent. Okay. Die and then one and, and Die Hard two. Yeah, both of them? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I that's good. I love it. And then what game is in the uh, in the N sixty four there? Oh yeah, uh favorite of many people. <laughs> oh, you have Goldeneye? Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there any other game uh, that mm. we've probably spent more time playing in our in our youth? Mm. No, um, maybe. Than, no. Than Goldeneye. Don't play it now, though. After playing Fortnite and Call of Duty, if you go back to Goldeneye, you'll be a little disappointed at the frame rate and the, mm. <laughs> the graphics. Um, they've tried revamping Goldeneye to a new generation, but mm. nothing nothing can replace those memories of being in high school and playing with your buddies uh, for player Goldeneye um, at a party. It was just uh, it was such a wild time in the late nineties. It is Goldeneye. You know what about those leaders? That team that built that game. You know they built a game that still people know now, and it's over. How long is it? How long is that? It's uh, 1996 it came out. Mm. Yeah. So it's been a while. It's been a, a long time. And they wrote the book on uh, first-person shooters. Yeah. And um, when you play other games, yeah, you remember the first one, which was GoldenEye Odd Job and uh, navigating through the facility for those who are GoldenEye fans listening in. Mm. I hated uh, the chapter with the, the graveyard. I always got killed. <laughs> oh, I thought I, I thought you had bad dreams <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I do that all the time. I get scared so easily. <laughs> It's all good. I I I picked the game up. I don't know if you talked about this. I picked it up in the UK because you couldn't buy it in Germany because it was like rated a certain way that you can't get it. Goldeneye or something? No. Yeah, Goldeneye. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I picked it up in the UK and was like, thank you very much. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because Germany has a totally different culture when it comes to video games, movies, music. Um, TV was always three years later. So I'd go to Germany in the summer and the 90210 or Baywatch episodes I'd watch there, I'd already seen three years before. And movies even come out six months to a year later. That was back then. I don't know what now, but... Mm. Yeah, they have to voice always, over them. They have to dub them and they mm. have the same actor doing... They have a German Tom Cruise who always dubs the Tom Cruise movies. Like, it's pretty interesting. But yeah. movies are behind, but fashion is forward in, in Europe. Mm. I remember coming back from Germany with some swag and I'd go to high school and people were like, what the hell are you wearing? And then a year a year later, everyone would be wearing the same fashion. So it's funny to see That's crazy. who's ahead on what. And even music, like uh, I remember Backstreet Boys came out with a different single in Europe and a different single in North America based on the listening styles of those two continents. Mm. And uh, there's a whole bunch of music that you probably haven't heard if you haven't br went over the uh, the ocean to see what your favorite band has released in the in uh, Europe, which is pretty cool. It is. It's like a total different genre too. 
Yeah. Lots of Spanish music and lots of French music, German pop, whatever. Well, yeah. but now we are here, so that's okay too. Yeah, no, it's great. Mm. Are you going to wear those sneakers when you play basketball? Are those basketball um, sneakers? No. Well, they are. They're the Michael Jordan Air Force Ones, my employer. Uh, mm. <laughs> I bought some pretty cool. Uh, I had to get the Air Force Ones in the colorway of my uh, my new uh, company I work nice. for. Yeah. And uh, size 14s. So um, I'm not going to wear them on the court because I don't want them up here looking all, all sketchy and dirty. I got other, other shoes I'll play on the court when we can finally play on the court again. Uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday nights, I've been missing basketball. Ooh, so from your perspective, size 14, is it an advantage or is it a disadvantage? For playing basketball. <laughs> playing basketball, I think you just need the base to keep your, your height straight. Um, mm. you, get your, you get your feet stepped on a lot, but the difference between a 9 and a 14 isn't, isn't that much anyways. But mm. sometimes you feel like a moose running up the course, right? We've all seen a moose run, and it's not as elegant as a, as a, as a tiger. Yeah, but you must get some airtime, right? When you jump, you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Albert, who is a is a is a listener to your show, knows that I've been working hard to uh, to figure out a way that we can we can dunk the ball again, mm. alley oop. And uh, I was getting there, and then COVID hit, so we haven't played basketball on a Wednesday night in uh, in a year now. So my vertical now is is shot. I'm sure. Mm. Okay. So what would you tell people that are stuck at home right now and they have the kids at home and they're struggling a little bit with like how to how to get harmony? I think it's your routine. Um, it, it took a while. March last year, we all went home from March break and the kids never went back. And the ones who struggled were the ones who felt they had to do it all and felt that they couldn't fail at mm. certain things. Yeah. Right? Like you have to be okay with, I can't be a hundred percent dad and a hundred percent employee and a hundred percent spouse mm. and a hundred percent cook. You have to, um, you just have to be okay with the, the challenge and you can't be a perfectionist when it comes to doing the balance. And um, mm. it's super hard being a dad and, and, working in here and hearing my kids eat when they're done school and feeling like I'm not being a good dad because I'm trying to do my job. But mm. we had a conversation like before five o'clock. Um, I, if you want to keep living in a house and having food on the table, yeah, uh, I got to work and then try to make moments where, yeah, if I go out and play around a fortnight with them or go outside and build a campfire, we'll do that. But when they go to bed, then I'll have to catch up on emails. But mm. Okay, Steph so you... and I have a really good system where we're, we'll figure out who's cooking dinner today and, and we'll manage that. But it's not, it's, it's not easy. Okay, yeah. It is not. I agree. But this is a good insight. I appreciate that. Is it also, Mike, is it important to find that balance and with your partner too, at like whenever you can, because you feel like maybe I can, like I can tell you for us, it's a lot of shifting. Okay, you take the kids. All right, you take the kids. And then, you know, one under the other, we work different times. And then you will try all to make it work. And But you still want to make time also with your partner too, right? Yeah, so the kids are 8, 8, 10, and 11, and it's a blended family. So, so we get perfect. usually one night a week where we can just chill out. But we're watching Netflix anyways or having a hot tub or mm. yeah, hanging out with friends if we're allowed to with the <laughs> regulations. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, you have to make the time with with your partner, and it, it's it's definitely it's definitely hard to invest your time in all these relationships from one little office. Mm-hmm. But um, communication is 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 important, and sometimes you'll have poor communication. But um, if you're both busy and you both understand that, I think it'd be even harder if um, one spouse would maybe um, be looking after the kids all day, the other would be working because. Mm-hmm. I remember having young kids and you get home from work and it's like, here you go. Here's the baby. I've been doing it all day. I'm going to go drink some wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't really, it, it, it's harder in that because that truly is on and off. Whereas when you have harmony, uh, it all kind of flows together. So the kids are cute. Like even uh, Maya today, she was having challenges with her logging on to teams. So she went to Steph's and she went to my office. She went to her brother's yeah. uh, room and, um, the kids figure it out and they, they really know when they try to limit the uh, distractions that are created. Mm. Yeah, that's great. I was this great one. So he's getting better at it though. Surprisingly, it feel, I feel like some kids actually excel. And you know, this is like the first time I bring this up, but some kids actually like it maybe. Is he on Teams or Google Classroom or? Uh, teams, Teams. Like. Yeah, Lisa does all the. It's her laptop. She has it all set up. I, she sets it up, and then when I take over, I just join after recess, whatever you know, all over the place. But it works. And last year he was in kindergarten, senior kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole different world altogether. I couldn't imagine what your April, May, June looked like. That's fantastic. We did we did homeschooling ourselves, really, which is fine. Yeah, but even yeah, the technology alone, um, and then teachers weren't very good at homeschooling back then either. I remember mm. um, one of the four kids had eight assignments in a day, and one of the other kids just had to build a fort, take a picture, and throw it onto Seesaw, the app that they use. Right? So yeah, some some teachers had to adjust, but I think they really got it right yes. heading into the fall semester, and they set some expectations. And mm-hmm. um, I remember. Uh, even Lucas had five different apps that he had to use. Yes. Um, one for reading, one for classroom, one for gym, one for French. And now it's all in Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams. It's all in yeah. one. I, I think they are uh, on the teachers right now. I want to say they're doing absolutely amazing for what it is, especially like teachers for our kids. Great job. Thank you so much. Really. Because it's not easy, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and I see that at work too. Like, there's still some people who don't unmute their line, or they don't know how to share their video or share their screen. And it's hilarious that ten months later they haven't figured it out. But um, some people are so resistant to change and unable to change, they don't even step back and think in terms of the the process of change and how they can become better. Mm. Mike, leadership for you, you know. You, you are a leader right now, your team. Do you find sometimes you get communication from one of your members and they say something, but they mean something different? Are you a leader who can read people in that way? You, you, you can perceive what is said, what it actually means? Um, I think technology makes it harder. Okay. Um, and in no way am I a perfect leader by any means, but I think all leaders are still learning, but mm. we use teams. So I've, I have this open digital door policy. So I have 
just under 400 employees that kind of report up to me. Wow. Um, and I have this open door policy where at any time you have a challenge, you have a barrier, or you want to share a success, send me a message. So some days I'll go on an hour call and I'll come back and I'll have 36 different messages. Mm. So I feel this la- layer of guilt that I can't invest my time, but they understand busyness too. So I think in text form, and it's no different than if you get a text on your phone or messenger, um, sometimes you can't communicate tone of voice and tone of voice in the way you say things in nonverbal communication is 93% of what you say and 7% of the words you use. Right. Mm. Um, but when you're texting, it's a hundred percent the words you're using and you lose it. So yes. uh, emoji emojis, I've, I've learned there's an art to <laughs> emojis to say, to make sure it's perceived as I'm smiling when I'm saying this, as opposed to uh, the angry face. Okay. So you, you use the angry face when maybe you're being uh, direct with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find like, I find like with Lisa, for example, sometimes I've, she says something and I know it's probably not the cost what it is. It's just on top of everything. And with the homeschooling, you know, we, we feel the pressure. It's a lot. And we have a, we have a little baby running around. He's one year old. And he's pretty much two, four hands on nonstop. So whenever there's an issue, I, I'm starting to understand now it is not the issue. It is something else. So that's what I meant with that question. Yeah, yeah. And frustrations and emotions get in the way too. So you'll send a message. And normally, we're all, we were always taught wait 24 hours, cool down period, right? But mm-hmm. with texting, you get what you feel is an aggressive text, you respond in a tone that's maybe aggressive as well, it can escalate from there. So something that started off as something really innocent and mm-hmm. meant to be positive, it turns into a nasty yeah. um, a nasty uh, communication thread. So sometimes I'm guilty of it. I'll be on a call and I'll be text chatting back and forth. And I find you just have to stop. Mm. You're not doing the person you're talking to any favors by being distracted. And you're not doing that person any favors mm. um, replying back in a, in a glimpse. Yeah. So, Do you feel that you are obligated to get back in within a certain time frame to messages? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, email usually say end of day. Like if you need a response, if it's okay, you don't get a response to the end of the day email. Mm. But on uh, MS Teams messages, it's like a one hour, two hour response time, Ooh, which okay. is an expectation that's that's really hard to hard to live live mm. up to. But um, I think everyone yeah depending on on the item if you really need to get a hold of me you gotta try to call me or or, or text me so there's a the process right emails can take a while um teams messages an hour or two text messages is right away uh, and you have a like, special notification ring, ring, ring. and if i see you calling i'm not going to answer the call but it means hey uh, i need to talk to you in the next okay. like half an hour mm, okay that makes sense yeah do you like phone calls still But some oh. people don't like them anymore. I hate phone calls. I like video calls. So. Ah, okay. We- weird. So um, people will often be like, hey, can I call you? Uh, what's your number? And I'm like, mm, like mm-hmm. call me in this Teams chat, right? So um, I haven't taken a phone call in four months because it's all through Teams video, Microsoft, nice. wow. um, 
Facebook video or things like that. It's changed, eh? It's a different, it's a different vibe than just talking on the phone. I love that. So quick. Whew. You got some messages coming in? Yeah, no, I'm just asking Steph to grab the kids because they're pretty loud over there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm sensitive to the background noise. Uh, <laughs> you got to get those insulated doors, those really thick oak doors, right? Yeah, yeah, or the egg cartons on the wall, maybe. Um, you can buy these on-air, like, uh, signs. I was looking at them the other day Ooh. where it's a Bluetooth on-air sign, so you just hit it on your phone, and it'll light upside your office and ah, on the air. That's be good, good for yeah. good for your show, but it's like 15 bucks mm. uh, online. That's not too bad. Hmm. No. How did no, you, sad. what did you do yesterday when Microsoft Teams decided to say, hey, I'm not going to operate today? We didn't have a problem with it what? um oh yeah no maybe we pay enough <laughs> for it um <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't get the glitch yeah. but i saw the council meeting was canceled because of it mm. uh, i was surprised they didn't just have a backup plan uh to go to skype or uh zoom or telephone calls but mm. i don't know sometimes maybe that demographic takes a while to learn a new system because i remember the early uh, teams days that uh, the council meetings were really fun to watch <laughs> yeah you, you do do you watch them yeah yeah i get a you get a kick out of them every once in a while certain uh, mm. certain counselors provide some comedic relief other counselors are very steadfast in their approach but yeah it's um i can't like sometimes they're four hours long and, and that's hard to stay up for but i know um on, uh, it, it's it's been interesting to get a glimpse into it and the raise hand feature and all of that. Um, people are still people are still figuring out the virtual meeting, which uh, which is funny to see. Yeah, let's talk about that. The book, right? You you brought this up earlier. It's um, what inspired you to? How did you find it? What's the story behind it? So um, I've done uh, I've done seminars for people on how to work smarter, not harder. And, uh, but also do conversations about branding. And it came up with a coworker who suggested it because I was talking to her about your brand, right? Like mm. she was asking about it. And I was like, well, your bed's in the background. It's probably not a good look. Your, you got a, you know, a laundry basket full of clothes in the background. Like, is that how you want to be portrayed? Um, to me, it's natural to create an environment that shows your personality, but doesn't show you're a slob, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But some some people don't even think about it. And you see it on TV, too. You can see some TV reporters or some people interviewed when they just have a white wall and they haven't got a separate camera at eye level and it's shooting up their nose and you can count the number of nose hairs mm. and you get an unflattering double chin view. Yeah, crowd shot. Some, some people, yeah, some people just... <laughs> I don't know why they don't get it. Um, mm. Yeah, it just boggles my mind. So this book reaffirmed a lot of things that um, hold true in both a work environment, but also family and friends, right? We've all been on Zoom calls that turn into two, three hours of feeling you can't get off the phone. <laughs> mm. um, how to exit that, you know, the concept of don't be late. So when you're in person, it's okay to be commuting and maybe you're a little late because the traffic thunder bay it's a hard example to use so construction i guess yeah traffic lights but, they all sync they all in sync so you if you are on the wrong cycle you're going to miss out yeah so there's a whole thing on uh yeah don't be late um 
because what's the excuse? It took me, it took me 10, like it took me longer to get down the stairs. There was traffic on the stairs. No. Mm. And there's this expectation that people are always on time. So 7.50, I logged in to talk to you and I was like, 7.50, I got to be there with Michael. Whereas before you try to be on time, but if you're a little bit late, mm. the person hosting is not as nervous, but in an online forum, if they're not there right on the nose, the, the change of the hour, mm-hmm. it's funny how it's helped people be more um, punctual um, just because you have this clock constantly checking in your face um, mm. and it's, it's crazy. So today um, I think I had 16 different meetings, right? And every what? meeting ends with, wow. yeah, yeah, well, it's just a busy day. Uh, it was just the type of day it was, but 16. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 15 minute, half an hour meetings for okay. sure. You can't have anything longer than that. Um, so you're constantly looking at the clock and then you have the countdown and you're like, okay, I got a hard stop at nine o'clock. Like mm-hmm. we, we got to get going. And what the challenge working from home is when do you do the work, right? You're doing these meetings back to back. When do you actually check your email? So one of the tips that was kind of in the book, but something that I've talked about is you got to schedule email time in your day and you have to be selfish with that time. Yeah. Um, cause otherwise you're not going to control the inflow, mm-hmm. uh, or the outflow because you're just trying to manage a crisis. So you have to make time to take a break, take a walk, make yourself a sandwich, check your emails, check your voicemails. Mm. Cause if you don't bake it in your calendar and other people have the ability to book in your calendar, um, Ooh. it's not, uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a, it's a hard thing. And people expect you to be up at 7.00 AM, uh, being able to take a call. So you have to book out, make sure you book out the time in the morning. So people <laughs> can't schedule you for time at 7.00 AM. It's, it's, it's mm. funny how it's a 24 seven hour world. And it um, is. I had a meeting at 1130 the other night because mm-hmm. that's just the way of, of the world. You walk by your office, you see your desk and you associate your home with your work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some elements, it's not healthy if you can't disconnect mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't find that harmony because you're constantly reminded that you, you have to catch up on that email that you didn't send, or you have to work mm-hmm. on that project. Uh, and typically you'd leave the office. You'd, you disconnect and you drive home. And uh, you might bring some of it home with you, but uh, now you have access to your everything that you would have had at the office in yeah. uh, in the basement of your home. And I'm sure you've had it too. There's many times you sit down, you know, Lisa, it's 15 minutes. I'm going to sit down and three hours goes by mm. and um, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's a, it's a time, it's a time warp. It's a time warp, right? Time war. Yeah, it is. Warp. Warp, war, mm, yeah, or whatever, yeah. Mm. It's both. How have you been? How have you been handling it? Like your your show normally in person, now Zoom. Have you found your conversations are a little different having people Zoom in as opposed to sitting right there next to you? Good question. I find like that the first one was I was disappointed. I, you know, I talked to Damian about it. He was on, but it was the right thing to do. I I called it before. Like mid-November, I switched it over. I just was like, okay, this is it for me. Family, I can't bring anybody in the house right now. It's too risky. And then sure enough, we went into lockdown again. And now I feel I, I feel it's almost the same. I feel I, I can connect. This is from my perspective. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you are here with me. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. How do you feel? 
I feel like that. So I feel like it's good. Yeah, I don't. Other than we can't have a beer together, a Rattler together, and I can't bring like presents. Mm. Um, there's a comfort to being at home because it takes you a minute to adjust to the environment too. And like I said before, like to feel you're in your home where you're comfortable and the other person's in their home where they're comfortable. You can truly mm. have a good conversation and um, yeah, it, there's just a comfort level there. But with your show, I think it's cool because you can, you can talk to anyone um, anywhere in the world yes. to a degree. Yes. That switched so much. I didn't have that perspective. You're right, Mike. I didn't have that. I was like, I was in person in Thunder Bay and now I can do, I could do anybody, right? The distance doesn't matter anymore. And it's never been easier to talk to anyone in the world face to face. You're on, on video, but people are at their computers a lot. People are craving social interaction. Yes. Um, people don't have to travel or have a, like, It's been wonderful going into a new job because I'm on equal par with someone. If I'd be in downtown Toronto, I'd be no better off than here. Whereas before COVID, if I lived in downtown Toronto, I could take people out for coffee. Now mm. we just have virtual coffee, right? Yeah. So I've been able to meet people where if it wasn't COVID, I wouldn't get a chance to meet them unless I flew on to, down yeah. to Billy Bishop and, and went to meet with them in person. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, yeah, it's super interesting where you can talk to anyone and Same with community events. People keep asking, well, there's no community events. There, the community events still happen. And it's, you can actually attend more for virtual. Mm -hmm. So being a member of the Rotary Club, yeah, I can go to my Rotary Club, Port Arthur Rotary Club, every Tuesday at 12 noon and sign on to the Zoom. I can go to the Kapiskasing Rotary Club. I can go to the ah. Rotary Club of, of Berlin. I can go mm. to the Rotary Club of Rio de Janeiro. Um, and the chamber does virtual events, mm. right? The um, economic development does virtual events. Like mm. you can attend way more meetings today than before when you'd have to drive there and figure out dinner and mm. pay for parking and deal with weather. Um, it's, there's never been a better time to actually raise your profile and your brand and your company mm -hmm. or in the community than there is right now. Yeah. In my, I, mind, in I, my mind. I agree. Those are valid points and I, I share them. I do. And I'm, I'm like, I, I would have never, I already kind of had the equipment. All I needed was a video switcher and I finally bought it because I got support. And then I just, I have two cameras and that's all. And that's a webcam, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, you're, with you, you have to make sure people have the right equipment in their home. Mm -hmm. So they need to have the separate camera. They need to have earbuds so they don't get the feedback, right? So. Mm -hmm. There's probably quality control from your point of view where you're listening after and you're like, oh, the audio sounds awful. And I know you're a bit of an audiophile with mm. that stuff. Oh man. And it's got it's gotta be hard because you're the you're the you're the victim of of the, the, the equipment other people have. And I find people are still just using their laptop, microphone, and speaker, mm. which is the worst experience that you could possibly have. Um, and it just it makes you, yeah, subject to some tech issues that Regardless what you do, you're, you're, it depends on the person on the other side of the, the, the Zoom. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but the audio I, I, I record separately. So And it gets pumped through the, the mixer. And then the video is separate too. So, and then Zoom is a really good platform for that. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know how you do all that with the editing and stuff mm. and the different camera angles. Yeah. Uh, 
we're just used to hitting zoom and having a meeting and mm. raising your hands and stuff. But do you find some people are um, more thoughtful in the way they present themselves, like with a background? I mean, you can tell I'm at a standing desk. Mm. I'm looking at the camera lens as opposed to looking at your face and making it seem like I'm not looking at you. Like, yeah, do you just find... like me. <laughs> No, no, but you you have to read your script or whatever you're going off of. Yeah. But do you, do you find people have been more conscious of how they're perceived or how they present themselves in a video chat as you've gone on this journey the last couple of months? Yeah, I have. I had people on that had better equipment than I had before I switched over, and I was like, yeah. Joshua, right? I did that to Joshua. You're putting me to shame. <laughs> <laughs> he had such a nice setup, but I just wasn't there yet. And but I was thinking about it. But there's people that are prepared for this. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, it's uh, it takes some getting used to for sure. And um, you can't just jump into change, right? The anyone who's studied change, um, well, I follow Adkar, right? Awareness to change, desire to change, knowledge to change, ability to change. You need to you need to learn how to use a zoom before you jump into a zoom. Right? Mm-hmm. Like some people learn by doing, but you need to, you need to invest the time to make sure, am I doing this right? Right. So yeah. it's the, it's no different than you go to a networking event in pre COVID times. How do I present my business card? How do I shake a hand? How mm. do I engage with someone? Those are all skills, how to network. Um, I find some people, need to invest some more time in how to have a virtual conversation with someone and feel like you're in the same room. Mm. How do you, so what's the etiquette? What's the zoom etiquette? You, you joined our pre-meeting zoom on mute. Yeah. Always join on mute. I think to avoid background sound, mm. uh, remember to take yourself off mute, of course. Um, I'm a big fan of raise hands. So if it's greater than five or six people, use the raise hand feature. Otherwise, you're talking over one another and you get that, oh, no, you go, oh, no, you go mm-hmm. kind of thing. So use raise hand. Zoom, I love the yes and no and emojis, right? So I can have a reaction here where I'm like, hey, Michael, great job, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> if you're in a group setting and you're presenting and everyone's on mute and is dead silence and all you see are heads floating, um, to have a little bit of thumbs up, hand clap, smile. Yeah, or nod faster. your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you have to, you can't just sit there checking your email. Like <laughs> it's just it doesn't it's not a good look when someone's looking at your bald spot on top of your head. I know, right? Nothing left. How do you how do you still know things work and things are as productive as they were before? Are they better? Um, some people work better in this environment. The initial thought, I remember, um, when we went home, everyone's like, people are going to be half as productive. Right. And even before COVID times, people were asking, can I bring my laptop home? And can I work from home tomorrow? Mm. They were a lot farther advanced in, uh, in a larger center, like a Toronto. Right. I remember my sister, she lives in Whitby. And instead of taking the hour, go train downtown every day there. And then an hour back. Like, hey, can I just zoom in from home yeah. um, before that? Thunder Bay, it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, anywhere you want to go. So it wasn't as, as big of an uptake. But managers and the difference between leaders and managers, back to our original conversation, like a manager says, 
I don't trust this employee enough to do the same job at home. Uh-huh. A, le- a leader, a leader thinks about what tools can I give this employee to make them as productive, if not more productive mm-hmm. at home. And I found that um, certain employees are really good at being at home. They're more happy. They're more confident. They're different people. Um, they just bring positivity into the workforce as opposed to someone getting cut off on the way to work and they threw off their whole day and Uh, they weren't, they didn't mean to be grumpy. They just weren't in an environment that was conducive for their like learning or working style. So it's hard to tell. And you just have to, I think leaders have to trust their employees to do the right job. And in this day and age where you can measure productivity, it's not so much about, Hey, I'm paying you 40. I'm paying you this salary for 40 hours a week. It's I'm paying you the salary to produce these amount of widgets. And mm. if you can produce it in less time yeah. um, than someone else, why do you have to work 40 hours a week if you can do it twice as fast as someone else? So oh. in, ba- in banking, it's a hard concept. But if you're a manufacturer or, or if you do graphic design and um, Lisa, if she can bang out a design in an hour and that takes someone else two hours, she should get paid the same amount because she's mm. having the same output in terms of the widget. Yeah, I agree. Those are good. Those are good. So how do you think the future is going to be once we, we all get our shots, you know, things opening back up again? What's going to be? Who? How is this going to be? How is this going to be? I think a lot of – so it's already evolved to side hustles, right? A lot of people have two or three jobs, a couple careers. Upwork.com is a website where you can go and you can do work for other people across the world that can hire you. I think people are going to have more side hustles. Mm. Um and maybe less salary type jobs. So even when I think of banking, the right structure is commission, right? Mm. To a degree and not commission to push products on people, but commission to provide advice to clients and how you measure that, you figure that out. But if, if, if I'd rather pay an employee um, for dealing with 20 clients a week, then yeah, just 40 hours sitting there on their hands uh, mm-hmm. for, for, for 40 hours a week. So I think you'll see a lot more jobs going to pay for performance or pay like commission type pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us are going to stay at home. I, since may, I've never even been to my actual office because it's been COVID the whole time. I don't think I need an office anymore when I can, I can roll out of bed, have a shower and be on a zoom call 10 minutes later. Right. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Who would and, have and thought it, though? It's right? great. Yeah. It's, it, it's cool. And, um, the amount of money people and companies have saved on business travel. Mm. Um, yeah. I was watching it last night. They were talking about airlines. So airlines have come back, many of them to their pre pandemic market cap. And, um, I don't know about you, but an airline today, in my mind, isn't worth as much as it was pre-pandemic because there's so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Travel travel will come back. I think there'll be a huge influx or outflux of travel. People will want Boom. to check off their bucket list, which you and I were chatting about before, right? Like, yeah. I want to backpack Europe. I need to go to Hawaii. Um, yes, retiree, I do. Retirees who worked for 30 years and have, are now retired haven't been able to reap the benefit of 30 years of work. And I think there's going to be an inf- like huge um, travel boom for some people um, once everyone's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But the business travel, I don't know if it'll ever go back to um, people spending, you know, 200 nights in a Marriott and getting their elite status platinum because companies aren't going to want to pay for that anymore mm-hmm. unless 
unless they're making those trips truly productive when you can have a Zoom call like this. Yeah, it's crazy. So do you think people, overall, do you think like remote work is a new popular option? Yeah, and I, I think Thunder Bay can be a leader in that. Um, I've mentioned many times before, there's no reason Thunder Bay can't be the remote work capital of Canada. Right? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're an hour and a half from Toronto, beautiful landscape. The house prices are insane uh, as far as people looking to downsize their homes. Um, my niece recently, she, she was looking at Thunder Bay as an option, mm. lawyer in downtown Toronto, never thought she would have even considered Thunder Bay, um, was looking at houses in Thunder Bay, right? Yeah, the yeah. work-life balance. And I think it's beautiful for a place like Thunder Bay. It's going to increase our house prices because we're getting more people applying to jobs in Thunder Bay than we ever had before from elsewhere, looking to get out of the large centers. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you can do any job you want from Thunder Bay, which is pretty cool because we won't get people leaving our community either to do certain jobs. They can do it from here. Remotely. I, yeah. ju I just think we have to have to use that to our advantage in making sure that we're elevating ourselves. So could I be a president and CEO of a bank from here? I could, I, I won't because I'm not smart enough, but mm. I can, I, I, my next job, I'd normally have to move to a Toronto. I can do it now from Thunder Bay. I can do probably two or three levels up from Thunder Bay, yeah. which is pretty co cool for our city. Right? Mm -hmm. One more question on the leadership relating to you or overall. How long do you think people should stay in one position? Yeah, yeah, That's and I can, we can go, we can talk longer. I know originally we wanted to keep it to an hour, but if, if I mean, I'm enjoying the conversation. If you're enjoying it, we can chat longer. Um, Sounds good. I think t time and position is interesting. So if you own a business, obviously you're in it forever, but I think you need those new ideas. Uh, people are most productive in their first six months i find and their Ooh. last six months Ooh. Okay. yeah so so the first six months you got the new job you probably went to the job interview and said all the great things you're going to do so now you're being held accountable to deliver on that yeah you're always um, on time you're always on time you're you're inspiring people you're giving them new nuggets of information You get a little crusty at seven months, especially having a manager around. You've heard all their euthanisms. You've learned all you need to learn from from that person. So you get in a flow for a bit. Um, and then I think the last six months, similar to athletes, they always perform better their last couple months before their contract expires because they want to reap the benefits and make the money. So yeah. there's a reason hockey players score more <laughs> before they become an unrestricted free agent mm. or a soccer player plays at their true potential before they their their contract's up for renewal. And I think employees are the same way. I see it all the time when people apply to jobs. I'm like, I knew you were going to apply to this job because you've been doing things the last couple months mm. that I know you wanted me or your manager to notice. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, for sure. So I think two years is kind of the sweet spot. Two to three years, I think mm. you need to be leading a team to keep adding value and keep adding nuggets. The challenge, too, is can you produce groundbreaking results in two years? That's right? rough, yeah. So if you come in halfway through – so I came in this job halfway through a fiscal year. 
So this is my first full fiscal year. This is the year of execution, right? So first six months, we're learning the job, meeting people, finding what motivates them, what inspires them, how, if they have clarity, if they have the capability. Yeah. Then you hit the ground running. So I think at times, too, on when you come into the company, because if it's a company that's measured on fiscal year performance, you want to time that appropriately to get one or two full years of a fiscal year mm. to really show the power of the difference your leadership can make. Because otherwise, you're not changing anything if you don't give it that time. Mm. Okay. You know, what I really like about like, I've no, I've come to notice like certain employers have a schedule actually where people get promoted. There's actually a schedule and I don't want to say anybody specifically, but if there's like three, four years, you get promoted. Boom. And then you also move locations. And that's like another benefit. I really think that's really good because you get fresh minds and ideas in the same place all the time. Yeah. And like I said, people get stale and they get boring after a time period. So my company where I work has that two years is usually the time commitment in a role. So um, I came in, I had to, not had to, I inherited the leadership team that was there before me. I didn't really build it. Um, all great people, but they weren't like mm -hmm. my people. They became my people. But we've recently had four or five of our 24 leaders move on. Mm -hmm. And it's great. They're moving on with their career. It's wonderful. I can find a high-quality candidate to go into a role. Mm. We can build our all-star team that we really want to build. We can drive some performance. So, But the, the the teams that have a new leader, they're stepping up too. Hey, I have a new boss. Mm. Sorry, leader, not boss. Mm -hmm. um, I'm accountable to this person. What do they need me to do? How can I drive? How can I be positive and, and welcome them in? How can I, you know milk them for all they got on their knowledge so I can become a better employee too and learn from them. Um, and some employees who the devil, you know, and the devil, you don't like the employees who are like, Oh, I got used to that, that per that other manager. It's likely for a reason that they were able to manipulate, not manipulate. They were able mm -hmm. to, um, you know, connect, uh, connect a little bit deeper mm -hmm. maybe they felt they were able to take advantage of that leader so when you get a new leader it's uncomfortable but nothing jolts you up more than having access to a new leader who challenges you for new things so i like it um yeah to get a new leader coming in and sometimes just swap a leader um mm -hmm. sometimes if you work in an environment where you have two locations in the same city Try it for a month, like even switch the switch the managers <laughs> yes. and you'll you'll find an immediate improvement in performance, which uh, which is pretty inspiring. But that's crazy. Um, yeah, Mike, it's super cool. Do you like do you like leading your team or building your team more or is it equal? Um. It's, 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 it's equal. Like every CEO you hear from and they talk about success, it's always you hire people who are smarter than you, mm. who are, are better leaders than you. Um, but to be a leader, you have to be collaborative. So um, one thing that I try to do is, like I said at the beginning, like I'm not 
the boss, right? I have yes. a role. I can, I'm the connector. I'm the collaborator. I'm, my job is to pose a question and make sure everyone's contributing to develop a strategy, deliver on that strategy, right? So I, I, I read an article uh, a couple weeks ago on, on LinkedIn, and it was the new type of manager. What is it going to mean? And mm. likely they're going to be younger than you, and they're not going to have the industry experience as you, but they're going to be great at collaboration. They're going to be great at business development. They're going to be great at leveraging technology. Mm. So I think leaders, um, you're going to end up working soon for someone who's younger than you, and you can't take offense to that. It's just a new way of working. And collaboration, the companies who are the most collaborative, the most innovative, um, they have that, that, that culture of change. Those are the ones who are going to win the day, not the ones who rest on their laurels and get stuck in a place. And, and he kind of saw that with COVID, unfortunately. Lots of businesses shut down and they weren't able to adapt to mm. the new world. Yeah, not so, quick enough. No, and companies everywhere are challenging their leaders to go through change management courses. Ah. Um, the last couple of places I worked, yeah, it was always change management and here's how you manage through change. And there's so much change coming. And the fact that in the last 12 months, you've never seen this much change ever before. Yeah. But it's also never going to be this slow again. Mm-hmm. Right? So the last 12 months, we thought it was super fast. The next 12 months are going to be even faster and even faster and even faster. So if you're unable to adapt, adapt to change as a leader or an employee, um, you're going to be shit out of luck, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're not nimble and agile enough to pit... Uh, I used the term pivot, which I hate, but if you're not able to direct or, or shift your sails of your sailboat a little bit at some points, yeah. you're going to end up uh, capsizing. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that perspective. And I agree with that. And it's, it's an interesting perspective that you say the change is going to even be faster now. That's a good heads up. I on, on the subject, real quick, my personal opinion is now I'm almost at the point where if there's something on top off top on top i'm already okay with that it's like it's like first i was stressed out then now it's just like okay we find a way we're gonna make it happen somehow so what when did that change for you i just when things non-stop changed no more school buses because there's no drivers and that happened like three four five times and eventually i just said you know what well I guess it's just, we're going to make it work. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but there was just like, that's, and then homeschooling. We know it's going to add a lot, a lot of pressure to us, but it's also an opportunity. You know, I've never spent so much time with my boys. Never, ever. So it's good in a way. You're never going to get that time back. It's true. Like, as, as bad as COVID has been health-wise and deaths and illness and all of that, it's terrible. Like you're you're going to look back in 10 years and you're going to be like, man, that was a crazy time. Mm. But the memories I had with my boys, um, that's, I think, what you'll really remember. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, they'll be moving on to uni- university before you know it. Right? I guess so. Uh, I know. But do you find that people feel they have to control everything in, in what way so the school bus thing like there's no point in worrying about it like you can the amount of times they say control what you control and don't worry about the other stuff like 
people just have this need to control or always give their feedback. Okay. Yeah, I don't think anything is in control. Do you think do you that sounds maybe too much, but I feel like you can adopt to it, but and adjust, but it's not controllable. But some things you just got to let go, no? Like some things you yes. just can't control. Yeah. So COVID As much as everyone thinks they're an armchair epidemiologist, I can't even say the name of the the, 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 the medicine practice. But like people talking about spores and contracting COVID, like you got to trust the professionals and we got to trust the people who are making the decisions for us. Mm-hmm. And why we had a call recently, we we're talking about health and safety. And people keep asking, well, you can't catch COVID from X and you can't catch COVID with Y. And what if you have a vaccine? I'm like, we're bankers. Like, why, why are we even mm-hmm. in that conversation? Like if you have a medical director or you're getting your information from a professional who's specialized in that field, wow. why, why do we have those conversations? So um, it's such a polarizing piece too, the mask thing, not masks. Mm. Um, can I send my kids to school or your, the, the small business coalition that's coming out? Like, It's, uh, it's, it's, it's getting a little ugly and divided for sure. And I think you just control the world that you have and that's where you focus your attention and you don't let mm-hmm. um, this lockdown or that lockdown, you try to be an optimist and you try to find the silver lining there. And um, yeah, again, COVID's horrible, but control, control what you can control and mm-hmm. try not, try not to worry about the rest because That's where mental challenge, mental health challenges come in when you feel you feel like giving up mm-hmm. because um, you feel you can control it and you can't. And sometimes you just you just got to let it go. You got to go and meditate. You got to focus on your time with your boys or, 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 or your spouse. And you just have to mm. like if everyone just chilled for a second sometimes before jumping on uh, jumping on others. Yeah. It'd be nice. That's good advice. I like that. And, you know, honestly, for the Thunder Bay Health Unit, I have huge respect. They've been working over a year and more nonstop every day, you know. And it's like I said to Lisa, it's almost like the main uh, lady. I'm sorry, I don't know her name. but she's Janet DeMille. Yeah, yeah Dr. She, DeMille. Like, yeah. It almost feels like I feel so bad for her because she's on the job and she takes all the critique, everything. But she's trying. They are doing the best possible they can with this situation. Yeah, and, and you read social media as much as I do. Um, the hate coming at, at, at that poor person. Um, she's got to have really thick skin, but... Mm. She's in the job for a reason. She was chosen by people because she had the capability to do that job. And sometimes you can't control it. And as much as we all blast city council or the people who are in those roles, they were chosen to be there. So unless you're putting your name forward or if you have the credentials to get that job, Mm -hmm. maybe just shut up. Yeah. What a leadership, right? Hey, Mike. Sorry. I want to one more thing. I want to switch topic right now. What's your dream car? Dream car. Oh, gee, like a, probably a minivan with the six of us. <laughs> <laughs> I somehow, okay, okay. What's your second dream car? Um, 
The Teslas are cool. Mm. Uh, um, but I, I don't know. I love my Kia and, and maybe we can get Kia to sponsor the next video. But, uh, <laughs> I, I had Nissan, which was, which was fine. Mm. I had a Mercedes, which I hated. Mm. Which one did you I have? Felt, it was just a G, it was a GLK. Okay. Um, but that came from what I said before about concerning yourself with what other people think. Like, mm. I passed that. I traded that. Couldn't have traded that in quick enough. And I went to Kia. Um, Bruno Niederer was uh, the owner of the Kia dealership. Amazing local philanthropic community leader. Very uh, nice. And, bus- and businessman. Mm. And I walked in there and the service was great. The cars were great. Kia hired uh, Ferrari or Lamborghini designer. So the cars look cooler than anyone. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Kia fan. I've had three Kias in a row now. And um, yeah, I don't know. Lamborghini would be nice. I would never spend that much money on a car. I'd rather spend it in the community or on okay. experiences. Um, but yeah, no real, I, I'm, I'm super, I'm, uh, I'm comfortable with what I got with my, my Kia, uh, my, my, my two Kias in the driveway. I have huge respect for that. How what about would, you? Yeah. Oh, me? Yeah. Well, let's, let's, what, two more questions on the topic. Did you drive the Stinger? Uh, no, I, I I sat in the Stinger. I'm too tall for the Stinger. Mm, okay. Yeah, I heard it's like it's like it's like a BMW, pretty much. It's yeah, like, I heard no, it's pretty it, good. It, it's, it's super nice. Kia and High End, I make some good cars, mm. but again, it's they their brand is getting stronger. Good. So I, I I respect the hustle of a brand like that, who's who's fighting for market share, and they're doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, they. That's good. I like it. Uh, I'm like I like muscle cars. You know, I feel like I missed out on that growing up in Europe. You know, when I grew, when I was growing up, I always thought I wanted to have an M5. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I was like. This is good. But Q5, like the Audi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Audi wasn't so big yet. You know, Audi. Oh no, Audi. Audis make nice cars, and and, yeah, big in Germany. Mm -hmm. It is. Uh, Yeah, but they build their brand too. So question for you, who makes better cars, Germans or Italians? Ooh, like performance cars? Yeah, well, yeah, or any car. So Mercedes, BMW, Audi. Um, I think Land Rover is German now because mm-hmm. they bought it from England. Or the Ferrari Lamborghinis. I don't even know if they're Italian-owned anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Fiat, the Fiat maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, I, I would say they're equal, you know, like on the broad spectrum of from ferrari to bmw to like porsche right i don't know that's yeah. that's a very complicated question mike <laughs> Where, wherever you get the car though you got to drive it on the autobahn right supposedly yeah yeah no no speed limit there mm. but the electric electric car movement is going to be super interesting now mm. with uh with, with with tesla i'm sure your fans watch the Tesla shares, they've been on a roller coaster lately. Mm. Uh, and all these interesting cars that are coming out of um, Korea, uh, India. Um, yeah. And G- GM and, and Chevrolet are really working towards the electronic cars. So yeah. it's, it's, it's the way of the future and it's great for our environment. Would you miss it? The vroom vroom? I don't really care. No, I <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, I I like watching Fast and the Furious, but I never had a desire to mm. jump in next to Vin Diesel and, and drive one of those uh, <laughs> those, those Mustangs. I uh, 
I, I, I'm comfortable enough in my masculinity that I don't need a big car or a big truck to make me feel like more of a man. So mm. <laughs> yeah. that's a whole not, a whole nother conversation going down the expressway with those big uh, trucks mm-hmm. whizzing by you. Right. And uh, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I'm secure enough with, uh, with, with, with who I am <laughs> that I don't need a car to prove how masculine I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I or feel, don't care. Don't care how masculine I am. To be truthful, that's good too, and I like that. And it's like genders are like nowadays everything is like on the table, and you know we we are all learning a lot to respect each other on in the ways we are. It's beautiful. It's a great um, way of the world. It's going to take a long time to change. Um, I love people finding and being true to who they are inside as mm-hmm. opposed to maybe who they are outside. Raising four kids in a household where there's no such thing as a boy's color or a girl's color or boys' toys and girls' toys. It's great to see kids truly shine and yes. not feel they have to question what they're, which, which way they go. Just let them be who they are mm. and, uh, and love them for the fact they're your kids. So, I think we've we've made a lot of advances in in that, and uh, it's just it's amazing to be able to see people who can truly be themselves. It's um, yes. there's, there's no there's no greater victory than that, right? I love it. I think with this we leave it off. Cool. Th- this is good to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike, just stick around for one second after I cut this off. This has been a blast, Mike. Thank you so much for shining your perspective on leadership. And your insight on that. I really appreciate that. Insert applause right here, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just to preface again, um, in no way am I perfect, but uh, just some things to learn and observe and always be changing, always be adapting, always be innovating, and always try to be better tomorrow than you are today. So mm-hmm. um, thank you, Michael. Um, much love, much appreciation for being on, uh, on your show today. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. You take care. Have a good night. Cheers.